See in color. 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 episode of the see in color podcast i've been so excited to share this one with you guys got a very special guest um sam brockington who just released a new single on the 4th of september Uh, i had the privilege of listening to it early um sitting down with sam over a zoom call and discussing uh, his musical career from the beginning um, to his first single all the way through to this new single in 2020 and then the hopes for the future. So stick around all the way till the end to hear the new single. Please excuse any pauses or um, crackles. Um, There aren't too many pauses, I hope, um, but definitely a bit of crackles where there was some signaling errors. Obviously, we were over Zoom call uh, because of COVID, uh, but we did our best to do the interview format over Zoom. Uh, Be sure to check out Instagram, uh, for at c.in.color let me know if you guys enjoy this format it was really fun to do and i'd love to get other people on the show uh, and hear about their experiences with the beautiful format of music so stay tuned to the end for some exciting news but enjoy the episode guys big love everyone put your hands together for sam brockington thanks guys hiya good to be here thanks max yeah no worries how's it going mate yeah all good all good yeah do the classic english thing and talk about the weather it is shocking where I am. How about you? It's not raining, but it's been windy like mad all day. So I um my my cigarettes have been annoying me. It's <laughs> oh, terrible, isn't it? Can't get a cheeky fag in. I've like. got a cigarette. I'm like, oh, this is too much. It's the worst, <laughs> isn't it? Where are you based at the moment? Well, actually, weirdly, right now I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm in a place called Langford, which is uh where my where my uh, girlfriend lives because she's sort of doing like a, a veterinary course out here. Oh so wow! Gone to visit her and uh, yeah, it's like a it's like a country retreat for me. It's, it's country probably. retreat. I bet that's yeah. good for the good for the music stuff then. Yeah, it's it's nice, mate. It's nice. Um, always good to be. It sort of reminds me of um, of growing up in Devon, anyway. So yeah, massively. Used- yeah, massively. <laughs> Well, that's kind of what I wanted to start off with. Obviously, first time doing this, but we wanted to kind of get someone that's, you know, you're you're in and around the music industry, um, get your perspective on like the the power of music, the the way it's influenced your life, the way you find that music influences other people, um, and such like. So we may as well start off with, you know, what when did you decide I want to write songs and I want to play guitar and sing? Yeah, well. It kind of happened pretty naturally, but from quite a young age, to be honest. Like uh, me and my friend Ollie, who actually still plays in the band with me, uh, started writing songs together at about twelve years old because oh, wow. one, of, one of our guitar teachers, sort of, uh, who taught both of us, was like, "No, you, you should uh, try try writing some songs together." And I kind of remember our, our first <laughs> our first song. We both like came to each other with different parts. We both just written two different songs and sort of mashed them together. Mashed them together, yeah. <laughs> they weren't in key. They weren't <laughs> make sense for some reason. When I was twelve years old, I thought all songs were about people being crazy. So I was writing about how mad I was when you know I was just a oh, twelve-year-old kid. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, that's where it all started, really. And then bands through high school, and um, uh, yeah, it was only really when I got to to Bristol when I was studying at university, mm-hmm. kind of. Um, 
I was at a music university in Bristol. I don't know if you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I was doing the management course there. But uh, in like my third year, I sent sent them a a song of mine, which is C and Emily, which is one of the one of the ones I've released. Yeah, and they were, oh, this is actually really good. And I was like, oh, I didn't, you know, fair enough. And yeah. they, put, they put me on for Glassy, and BBC introduced some things like that. Sort of came shortly after, and I was like, well, maybe I could could give this a go and here we are now oh wow well so was it did you always naturally notice you had a good singing voice i think uh i kind of knew i had something but while i was sort of um in my teenage years it wasn't really refined and um i actually went to london for a year when i was 18 and did a vocal course out there and that really helped Uh, oh really actually sort of got into like soul music a bit of al green and like uh, bill withers and things like that some of the real like best singer song singers out there yeah uh, and that really helped work on my range and just trying to sing songs like they create kind yeah. of me how to like kind of naturally taught me okay shit this is how you this is how you sing <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's sick so what what influenced you then to Obviously, like you said, when you're 12 years old and you're mashing two songs together, that's kind of, you know, two mates that obviously have a little bit of a spark and you're just jamming stuff together to make something work. But, like, what then drove you to, like, for instance, because obviously Seeing Enemy is your first single, I believe, that's on sort of like iTunes or Spotify. Yeah, it's a weirdly long time ago now. It's probably... Yeah, 2014, I think. Is it really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So six years ago. So, wow, six years ago. So that's yeah. way there um so what sorry so what sort of got me to to that yeah what 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 got you from your 12 years old mashing a song together with your best mate and then all of a sudden you know you've got this like this single like this comprehensive beginning middle end makes sense style song like it was it emotion was it just using your talents and try and put something together yeah i think for me it did take a lot of uh a lot of time and a bit of sort of age and wisdom to, to get where where I was in a place where I was writing sort of decent songs because I know you, you get some in, incredible people like Billie Eilish who's 16 years old and they're just writing these songs that yeah, you, you can't believe it was coming to my age. Yeah, and, and it wasn't really like that for me. I think I was probably 22 when I released that song and it was almost a little bit of um, I didn't, I always played bass growing up so um I didn't have that sort of that instrument to go straight to with songwriting. So mm-hmm. when you sort of have a guitar, you can write a song to a guitar, but with a with a bass guitar, it's kind of like hard to sing and write. And yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Um, so once I started learning the guitar around kind of seventeen, and my mate uh, did a lot of finger picking, kind of folky finger picking guitar, which is how sort of seeing Emily starts. Yeah. I just picked that up off him. Oh, nice. So so on the track, it's actually you. It's you playing the finger picking. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of like um, a style I still use quite a lot is the finger yeah. picking because uh, it, it just feels natural to me. And, and I, I really love the kind of mashing up the kind of acoustic-y finger picking old school style with like sort of alternate indie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, so that's a, a big sort of theme throughout my music. And I think it was once I kind of got into that finger-picking style, 
I'd kind of mastered it where I could sing and play while doing it and also having enough kind of life experience to write lyrics that <laughs> yeah well this is it like I, I guess it, like you said at 12 years old you're writing about because you think everyone writes about being crazy you write about being crazy like you write, write about what you know don't you um, yeah exactly man. and um I think somewhere along the line it kind of clicked like you, you've got to you've got to really get in tune with yourself and, mm. and something that, that means something to yourself. So I always do it in a weird way whereby I'll, I'll have the guitar bit and then I'll just start sort of saying random words. But because the words are coming out of me and I'll sort of rejig them into a sentence that makes sense, a lot of the time I'll apply the meaning after that. Well, this, this song has come out of me, so it must mean something in... in inside me somewhere oh wow okay and figure out what that meaning is afterwards yeah so like almost like waking up having a dream and kind of having to interpret the dream afterwards as to why you're dreaming about that yeah yeah i like that i've not not heard of that way before (laughs) that's that's cool it's almost like saying that the i don't know like the lyrics um kind of organically come out of feeling whether that be like happiness sadness whatever's going on at the time you know yeah, I find it a lot harder if I'm like, all right, I'm sad, I want to write a sad song. Or if I'm, I'm like, okay, it's a beautiful day, let's write a song about a beautiful day. Yeah. I just find it a bit like a bit forced almost. And uh, yeah. and yeah, generally, if I'm like, well, it's, it's, it's must have been something I was feeling and it's come out, so let's go with it. <laughs> yeah, and um, so was with Sea and Enemy, was, is that a metaphor for anything now, like when you think about it? Yeah, it is to be fair. Like, uh, I had a like uh, a few leg operations when I was sort of 18 to 20 kind of thing. And um, seeing Emily came out of being like, as if I was, when I was in the sort of hospital bed, I'm like kind of a seeing Emily in the bottom of the sea who just wants to get out and do what normal 20 year olds are doing. Yeah. Okay. Instead of uh, being sort of attached to the bottom of the seabed. (laughs) No, I, I kind of got that from the song. It was like this sort of, thing that's stuck to a rock at the bottom and all these waves are going past all this cool stuff to do it like going past yeah. but you're just literally stuck there like no other purpose other than being there sort of thing exactly and i i think uh i just the, the first few lyrics just came and kind of came out of me and i was like well this is i can see where i'm going to go with this and it's like i've become a sea anemone water dwelling predatory waiting at the bottom waiting for the current to call and i was like oh, do you know what? i really like that and i can kind of see what that's what meaning that has to me yeah okay and i can go with the song from there and and link it up and then the ending is like when i was actually writing the song i was sort of through all of that and back to just out doing music and and enjoying Mm -hmm. myself and things like that so it's kind of like the 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 outro to the song is just like a reflection on uh, you did doubt, but you did it all in the end. Yeah, well, because I've noticed, and it's a, it's a thing that's quite common throughout, like your discography, is this sort of you have like a very uh, stripped down, like very singer with a guitar at the beginning mm. of a song, and throughout your song you kind of build it up, and it, like more often than not, they end in which I always find are almost like my favourite parts, like the big crescendos at the end. Yeah, man, I'm a sucker for a big crescendo. Yeah, it's got to <laughs> yeah. be done. It's got. You don't want to fall flat at the end, do you? No, exactly. You can't have a big ending. And I, 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 sometimes I sort of consciously try and not do that now, but I just find I keep adding another layer and I'm like, oh, I can make this mm. big ending. 
I can do this here. I can put this sort of counter counter melody on the vocals here. And I'm like, oh, well, I've done it again. <laughs> yeah, literally. Because I think it's one of those things like you'll, you'll hear something you go, and then something twigs and then you're like, oh yeah, but, and then you add this to this and then you add, oh, and then it's, so it's, it's, I think it's really difficult sometimes when you're looking at that sort of thing to go, no, that's how I want it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But do you think the, um, the metaphor for it being about the, the ocean and the sea, because I know obviously then in your EP, the Manta Ray, um, which I thought was really cool because I remember the lyrics, these wings can't fly. Uh, no, so, so yeah, sorry, these wings can't fly. And I thought that's really cool because like, obviously manta ray, big wings and stuff, but they're stuck in the ocean. I thought, is there like a common theme used in the ocean or is that just like, an, like a natural way of writing for you? Yeah, there is like a, it was sort of a theme I was, I was going down for a while just because I enjoyed the, uh, the metaphors of it. And uh, I've kind of got a close connection to the sea anyway, coming from, from living sort of near the coast. And then yeah. actually the manta ray was like once when I was young, I went sort of scuba diving and uh, and we saw these manta rays and you just see them and they're like the size of a room and they, they're the most Jeez. like, like gross, graceful looking things ever. Yeah. And uh, I just like, the, I genuinely kind of just like that metaphor of like, uh, they've got these wings, but they can't fly. And yeah. Like, but, but not in the way of like, because I mean, if you sung a song and based it on a chicken or a penguin, there'd be a bit of a butt, butt of a joke to it, wouldn't there? But like, that's true. I never thought about it. <laughs> but I think with the manta ray, like you said, like it's this like gracious, majestic creature that in its own right is insane, like incredible. But at the same time, it's limited to the ocean, despite it having these wings, which is quite yeah, cool. They just, I, I just remember the. the the image, I was quite young when I sort of saw them, but uh, the image of them really st- stuck with me. It was just like one of the sort of most awe-inspiring things I'd, I'd ever seen. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of use that because it's, 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 uh, um, it's always stuck with me. And then there was a lot of, so the song itself is um, sort of about the, the music industry and almost not getting where you want, but a lot mm-hmm. of people telling you that they can do this for you and they can do this for you and you just need to do uh, to give them this or give them this and give this. And it's sort yeah. of like um, when you watch the manta rays, they have um, a lot of fish all, all kind of feeding off the <laughs> feeding off them because uh, they're sort of cleaning them and like yeah. and feeding off them. And I kind of felt like there was quite a lot of people sort of feeding off me at the time, but I wasn't necessarily able to, to fly myself <laughs> oh wow okay. oh wow okay so that, like um having these people around you that are maybe sort of i don't know if using you is the right term but like this sort of yeah, yeah. i don't want to be bitter about it no no know. no not at all but also this is coming from like if it's this was from the ep 2016 so you're what 24 now yeah yeah about about that age i guess yeah yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. so so you've been doing like um you know, you've been doing it for a bit. You've had the sea an enemy and you've had the recognition from BIM and then you're doing this EP and then that's where, like, I can imagine it being one of those things that especially people that have maybe grown up with you because obviously, like, coming from our area, like, everyone knows everyone. So then it's sort of like, you, you, get, you get somewhere like, you get something like sea an enemy and then all of a sudden these people that wouldn't have cared if they went through life not knowing you, all of a sudden they're like, oh, hi, Sam. Hi, I went to school with you two years ago. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there, there is a little bit of that, and uh, and a 
and like you say, especially where we're from, that's probably you know it's it's funny that we're doing this podcast today because we're both from from Tabby and the yeah. Leeds never never leave each other, do they? No, no, exactly. Yeah. It's the small town vibe, isn't it? <laughs> it is, mate. But I've I've never tried to be sort of too too bitter about it. I think more I was like intent on going with the kind of the metaphor then within a metaphor and was like, oh, actually that's. That's kind of cool that it links into the to the fish feeding on the manta ray as well. More kind of like so with um, I don't know like uh, PR campaigns and, and sort of shark managers and, and things like that. Oh really? Like, <laughs> which is like you're kind of bombarded with it in the, in the music industry after a while, and you learn who to sort of trust and who not to. And who's just okay. Okay, and 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 do you get taught? Because I guess there's no like book of like this is who you trust, this is who you don't trust, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. Do you know what I mean? You've got to learn it all for yourself, haven't you? Yeah, man, exactly. So so it's uh, it's all a learning curve. I think those emotions just kind of came out in that song, which was like a bit of a, a different way to put out a thought. And, yeah, and, no, it's yeah. really cool. So then, what? So from CN Enemy to then Peace of Mind EP. What inspired you to then go? Okay, I'm not going to do just one other single because I know you did follow as a single and then brought out on the EP. But yeah. what made you think instead of just releasing one song and seeing how that goes, like see an enemy, I'm just going to go for five songs straight off the bat? Yeah, I think, um, like you said, it's like a learning process, and at that stage, I mean. I had a ma- I have a manager, a different manager to I had at the time, but we were both young, and he was on my course, the manager uh, at Bin Bristol. So we both did the music management, and we kind of thought like we knew what we were doing. So yeah. it just kind of made sense to to go out and, and make an make an EP that kind of seemed like the best way to get a big gig behind yourself was going look we're doing a, an EP launch. So. So we did the EP, uh, things were going, you know, good on Spotify at that time. So we didn't want to wait too long in terms of releasing the next stuff, trying to keep the hype yep. built and, uh, and get everybody together for like the first sort of headline gig, which was still one of the best like gigs for me because it was the first time I'd sort of sold out a room. Oh, wow. Sort of on, on my own sort of... Uh, credit you know like uh it, was, it wasn't just off your own back purely off your yeah. sort of music yeah i played a few big crowds before then but that was the first time i was like oh these, these guys are just here to see that's that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah so where was that where was that the ep launch show i was at uh crofters rights do you know no, no. it's um it's on stokes croft in bristol so uh, okay just like a 150 capacity venue but like at that time i was just like oh this is quite overwhelming to yeah yeah so and i'm guessing you had like friends and family and stuff up there as well yeah exactly exactly um it's funny because going back to tavistock like pretty much every (laughs) every gig i do that ends up being a tabby chant because like (laughs) half the room seems to be from tavistock so never leaves you mate never leaves you really does it and it reminds me of like um, when I went to Glastonbury just as a gig goer when I was maybe 15 or 16 uh, do, you, do you know a band called the Rumble Strips no no I don't so they're a, they're a tabby band as well and they uh, were big back in like 2000 probably 2010 that sort of no 2009 kind of era mm-hmm. and, um, 
and they played Glastonbury and the whole of the tent was doing a doing a uh, tabby chant and I was like this oh, is wow. so brilliant and stuff and then when that happened to me I was like oh that's <laughs> that's so classic tabby <laughs> yeah no that's sick but would you say um in in comparison to like okay so that that gig like you're saying that's the best gig is there anything that beats that in terms of, I don't know, releasing a song and hearing all the feedback? Or is it like soaking up that atmosphere at the time of performing in front of, you know, potentially 150 people at the time, all there for you? Yeah, I mean, like, um, there's probably been been bigger and better gigs since, but um, that was especially special because it was just sort of the first time you do it and that, that means a lot. But uh, it's kind of a, a mix of what feels the best but i think as a performer you just always want to play live and that is kind of why i'm in it personally like okay that's where i get the biggest sort of buzz and really feel like i'm sort of doing my craft to yeah just and like entertaining people which is kind of what it's all about really i mean it means a lot to get feedback and new fans and uh like you know, uh, radio plays and things like that. But uh, but it's kind of just nothing better than than playing live. <laughs> no, massively. Because when you went and did this gig, do you have like a did you have like a pre gig ritual of like getting hyped up? Were you nervous? Were you just pure excitement? Was it adrenaline? You know what what's going through your mind at the time? I always get pretty nervous and quiet before gigs. To be fair, and. Uh, and me and my band have kind of like a, a rule where you're allowed two to four beers before you go on. Okay. No, no less and no more, basically. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. One or two on. And then, you know, once you get to the second beer, kind of, you're all right, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You start easing into it. But it's a weird, it's a, I don't like to sort of rely on the fact that I um like to have a beer but I, I genuinely find like i give a much better performance if i'm like i'm a bit looser you know and like uh, most of the chords i'm playing are quite quite simple so i i find it doesn't affect the music too much anyway <laughs> no i feel like also if you loosen up in the same way maybe your writing is quite organic like you kind of you're not overthinking it so it is purely just your ability to be able to do it that comes out rather than you thinking i need to play this chord and sing here and what shall I do here? Because this is going like this. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just flows. Yeah, exactly, man. And, like, the, the crowd pitter-patter works a bit better, you know, in between songs. It's less awkward and you don't feel, like, as much sort of pressure or, or like, anxiety about what you're saying. Yeah. Like, I used to do a, I used to do these kind of uh, 11 o'clock in the morning gigs at BIM for oh. sort of, enticing new students to the university or whatever yeah. um, after I'd left and they were just the worst gigs ever because yeah, I was just I like, can imagine and like I'd only just woken up and <laughs> I, I I was used to having two beers and you'd just be sat like watching these like 50 kind of parents and their moody children like what is this <laughs> so, this is not my kind of gig so. oh, like, it feels awkward just hearing it and just imagining that sort of thing that sort of setting because yeah. i guess it's just the atmosphere probably makes it doesn't it yeah exactly the atmosphere and 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 you know he, uh, just the, the buzz of it all is is just mad so it's, it's yeah. very different to those kind of gigs where you're like yeah. oh, <laughs> I feel weird. Yeah, no, that's sick. Though. That's sick. So we were talking about. I asked you a little bit before um, about because obviously we're going to play um, 
some of your uh, originals pop through the podcast, but also um, first off, I think, because you recommended a song, Grace by Jeff Buckley. Is that purely out of a favorite for you or is there deeper meaning? Like, is there inspiration from Jeff Buckley? At all? Yeah, a bit, a bit of both really, mate. Um, huge, huge favorite, um, you know, up there with some of my favorite songs ever written and then massive inspiration. Like, like you were saying earlier about how I kind of build up to these big crescendos at the end. I feel like this song kind of encapsulates maybe where I where I get that inspiration yeah, from. I was literally I listened when you mentioned it today, I gave it a listen today because I'll put my hands up first time ever listening to the song. And <laughs> that was one of the things I wrote down was like this just growing intensity just yeah. all the way through the song. Like it's starting off like some of your songs do, like the very stripped down, like very um just sing a songwriter sort of thing and then all of a sudden it like the production just builds and builds and builds. Yeah man he's he's uh it, it, it is a real shame that he his life sort of got cut early and uh, he only was only able to release one album because it would have been amazing to see where he could have gone with his songwriting. But that album as a whole is just, I mean, people just need to go, go listen to go yeah. listen to Craig. <laughs>
I think the problem is, is that everyone knows because I when you said Jeff Buckley, I was like, oh, okay, hallelujah. Um, but you know, and and that's also like his lower song. So I was interested to listen to him do Grace and like have this sort of. He doesn't go low at all. It's this like mid range and even like a higher range, like and and also this rather than it being a very mellow, like he goes for it a lot as well. Yeah. See, uh, we kind of touched on why I almost thought, Do you know what, I'm going to play Jeff Buckley for, for anyone who doesn't know him apart from Hallelujah, which mm. is obviously a great version of Hallelujah, but in terms of ranking on his songs, I'd put it pretty, pretty low down there compared yeah. to most of the album and his original stuff. And I kind of wanted to almost open people's eyes up to the fact that he's just got this incredible, incredible songwriting ability, but also, like you say, his range is, you don't realise how far it goes, because I could only dream to have the kind of vocal range that that he has. And the things that, I mean, as a singer, you know, it's sort of easy to understand, but you don't realise until you try and sing it, like, just how hard it is to do what he's doing. So, yeah. Well, that's yeah. why I noticed as well, like, the, I like call it, I don't know if you call it, like, vocal riffs, where, mm. like, towards the end, he's literally, like, doing a guitar solo with his voice um which is incredible but it's one of those things that i always find if you get someone where especially when you're listening to it and maybe you don't understand it as much you know someone's a master of their craft if they make it sound or look easy if you just listen to it and go like oh i reckon if i go in the shower at the right on the right day and i could sing like that do you know what i mean (laughs) yeah i mean uh, it's uh I don't think I, I could ever sing like like he does. So so I know what you mean. Like he's just absolutely mastered the the, the craft and um, and I, it, also there's a there's a live version of this on on YouTube. Uh, it'll probably be the first one if you just type in Grace by Jeff Buckley and and it shows it in even more depth, like just how much kind of like raw emotion goes into its live performances as well. Obviously, I, I guess this will be the sort of Spotify version or whatever, but. Um, but uh, if people go check out that as well, you'd be like, oh, shit. That's Jeff. why. Jeff Buckley's the man. <laughs> yeah. And that, I think also as soon as you end up diving into a bit of a wormhole with any artist, that's when you realize like, okay, that's why this person was held up so high. Because like you said, it's not even just his raw ability of singing. It's also like his basic songwriting is that thing where you think, how on earth does someone get from here to there and make mm. that a song? Mm, definitely and even in like the uh what he's doing on the guitar which is like whilst sort of singing the melodies he's singing it's just so difficult to sing and play at the same time and he's clearly thought about it so much like he's he's doing it on a sort of it's a cool guitar actually he's doing it on like a 12 string fender telecaster which i've oh wow before or since no i was going to say i don't think i've ever heard of that before just a 12 string (laughs) telly and uh, it, yeah, yeah, I think um, you, you've got to see it really, it's, it's mad. Yeah, because that's another thing as well, that, you know, when you don't know about it as much, like even just playing guitar and singing, like, because I play guitar, I've been playing guitar for about seven years now, but yeah, no. I struggle to do something like you do, like as soon as, I remember I used to listen to a band called Trivium, um, oh, yeah. and the uh, lead singer Matt Heafy, mm. I mean, like I'd learn a song by him and it would take me like, a week to like get this song even sounding remotely like it and then i realized shit he's singing and <laughs> screaming through the whole thing and also like off beat as well really yeah because so, yeah. I mean, they wrote like the first album they wrote when they were 18 so they weren't thinking about all right 
this will make it easier for me to do both at the same time. They were like, nah, this sounds sick. We'll just get to playing it live later. And that's See, when I, my mind just blows. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that I just assumed the trivium because I used to kind of listen to, to metal and stuff growing up as well. And uh, I just assumed that the singer was a different person to the guitarist because the guitar on their stuff is so... Insane. Insane, yeah. yeah. Like, how is he... <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Do you have? It's interesting hearing you say that you were into music before. Like, do you have um, any influences that maybe come from that side of the genre, or like those kind of genres? Sorry, of that side of music. I don't know if the, the the influence comes in so much, but it was more like the just the spark of like understanding what it is about music that that gets you into it. So like they were so people like. Metallica and um, you know more more kind of metally stuff was what me and my brother kind of um, would grow, listen to growing up and maybe like sort of bonded over. Mm-hmm. So that of um, that kind of bond just makes the music kind of more intense, and you want to tell each other about this and talk yeah, about yeah. that. And that kind of gave me the the feel of what music can do for you, uh, and sort of inspired inspired me in that way. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. I think that, you know, when you go to, if you go to any type of gig, the interesting thing is that when, if you think of the headline act, you think that everyone else there, as long as it's not like someone's spouse and that they have no intention of being there and they're just there because they bought the tickets for their birthday or whatever, but everyone there, the majority, have gone to see that person. So instantly in this room, everyone has a mutual kind of thing that they like or enjoy. You know, and it might be on different levels, but I, d- I don't know. You always kind of feel like you're in a mixture of similar thinking people. Yeah. Whenever that's you what, go to a gig. That's why I like a gig sometimes when it gets, you know, towards the end, you can be like arm in arm with someone you don't even, don't even yeah. know. Like, yeah. You know, singing in their face, like that close to each other. Like, yeah, it's, it's incredible. I mean, beer helps with that as well, for sure. But. <laughs> For sure, yeah. I mean, beer helps with, with a lot of things, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's probably the, the, the reason as well. Yeah, no, but it's really cool that you can get like this. I think that's what kind of inspired the podcast as well, is this like immediate connection with music. I know that, you know, I'm comfortable talking to people, but I don't really like, I find it difficult sometimes to get to know someone deeper. But then instantly, if they like mention that they, they're into music or they play an instrument or something, then instantly I'm like, okay like connect, connection already do you know what i mean yeah it's like yeah. this, this weird like, thing you know i mean even me and you i feel like we've spoken for probably sort of 15 years in like just because we knew each other kind of slightly growing up yeah as soon as we start doing this podcast it's like oh let's just chat away about we music. just yeah chat about music because it's nice and easy yeah, yeah. to perform is what you've shown is what you know it's what you know so rarely withdrawn from a life the lot turns the load you're ready to explode reveal the marbles in your bones oh oh Follow, follow, oh, oh, follow. 
Okay, then we've got, so we've done, we've spoken about the EP, that was 2016. Then there's a two-year gap, was mm. that, and then, and then you have Breathe. Um, was there a reason for the two-year gap? Was it uh, just musical, like, um, what do they call it, like, music block, writer's block, or was it other stuff going on? I think, you know, I don't know how to explain the gap, really. I mean, it's, it sort of comes across as almost two years. But when you <laughs> kind of look into it, um, it was like November I November 2016, I released the EP, and then it was sort of early 2018. So it was kind of like uh, okay. a few months. But um, Yeah. And then you obviously you have the touring off the back of the EP. Yeah. So sort of, you, know, you always see like that common theme with bands that they have like, they release an album, they tour that album, and then they won't start them writing until they finish their tour cycle, and then they start writing, and then they do the, the album. You know, it's that kind of... I think it's like I saw... There was a lot of gigging in between, definitely. Um, and you kind of set... I kind of feel like I set a precedent for myself where I was like, like this is done well and it's good, and I want to... I don't want to take any steps backwards. I want to kind of take my time, mm-hmm. ensure the material is just as good and not in terms of just songwriting, but then recording and, um, you know, who I'm going to be sort of recording that with, what yep. sort of 
numbers and and how can I sort of release it on the, with the best people behind me in terms of, of management as well. So there was a management sort of switch over at that point as well. Okay. <laughs> There's sort of things that people don't almost think about when it comes to more independent artists is is that the funds that it takes to kind of get you where you get you into that position as well mm. to sort of record with the people you want to record with in the right studio and uh and without kind of the backing of a, a major label who's like well here's the money here's the studio here's the person you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So was it a different um, studio uh, sound engineer and whatnot from the Peace of Mind EP to then the next single off the bat of that? It, it, it was different to the Peace of Mind EP, but somebody I'd worked with before. So uh, Follow was recorded with a guy called TJ Allen, which is, uh, he's actually in the band called Bat for Lashes, who were huge well. Uh, probably 10, 10 years ago now, mm. really kind of indie band. Uh, and he does production for like Florence and the Machine and people like that as well. So oh, wow. he's a, a hell of a producer. And he works out of J&J Studios in Bristol, which okay. is in Eastern. And uh, we did Follow Together uh, just as a sort of one-off single. And then I did uh, the whole EP sort of later on, like I said, I added Follow into it. And I did that with a with a different engineer. I didn't quite feel that it lived up to what I'd sort of presented with Follow in terms of the production side of things. Okay. Um, so I was like, right, I need to get TJ back on board. And, you know, there, there is a, a little bit more cost to go with uh, working with someone like that than there would yeah. be with the, the guy who produced sort of Peace of Mind and, and Manta Ray. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was the big note I put when I listened to uh, Breathe was that the production sounded just, I don't know, it felt like it, it sounded more modern, but also sounded like it fit you. Like it sounded like it wasn't you on a track and they said, right, we're going to record your vocals and we're going to record your guitar and stuff. It sounded like this is how we make your specific voice sound like this. This is how we make your sound come out. Do you know what I mean? Like engineered to you rather than like engineered to someone recording a song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. The idea of like, well, this is how you record a song. Like, yeah. And I think the talent that he had, and also like we did really work hard on like, like I say, getting the people right behind it. So even on that song, the production sounds like kind of crazy huge in the end as well, because we've got like a six piece choir singing on it as well. Yeah. And, that's uh, insane. And it, it was, it was such fun to do. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate that, man. I'm, I'm yeah. glad it, how yeah, it, co- it come, comes across. How, how um, involved are you with the production side of it? Because obviously, like, you're in the room um, or in a booth, like, singing along, playing along and what have you. But then how much time do you spend? Are you pernickety? Do you fiddle around and, like, ask him to do this, ask him to do that? Or do you just let him, you know, do his thing? There's little things where I'm kind of like, look, I need it to... Um, I need it to sort of have a driving baseline here and things like that. But generally, when I do work with TJ, who I've worked with for the last four songs now and the one coming out, mm-hmm. we just kind of get each other and I trust him and I'm, I'm happy for, for him to just crack on and, uh, and use his sort of creative flow 
because I, I think he understands me and I understand and trust him. So, so it just kind of works now without having to have too much kind of influence on, on the production myself, because it's, it's, if, in all honesty, I'm, a, I'm more of a songwriter than a producer. So I've never been one of those guys who's sort of gone and bought Pro Tools and sat down and recorded every layer myself. It's kind of, I just, it just doesn't, just doesn't amuse me that much. If I'm honest. Oh, <laughs> just more, I'm just more about sitting down and writing the songs and getting to the and, and thinking, oh, that's a nice guitar part. So, so if I've got someone who I trust and I feel like I don't have to get too involved, that makes my life a lot easier. <laughs> oh, there you go. Exactly. At least you know, like, kind of what you're, what you're good at, what you're not, what you enjoy, what you're not. But then also, from that position, it's very important to have someone that um, definitely you can trust, but also you click in a way that he understands what you're doing so that I think the last thing you want is to say, I want this feeling. I want it to feel like this at the end. And he goes, Oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. And then does it. You're like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> Literally. I, 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 and that's such the good thing about working with him is like, I think in the, in Northern slang and this time, and I, I was like, can you just make kind of like a, like a thing that goes, and kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. you plug these wires into your your system and it does that because he has all these wires coming out of this control system that I have no idea what <laughs> but I know he can make kind of synthy sounding almost strings sounding kind of thing using it and I was like you could just do that that would be great and then he sends me the song a week later and I'm like oh my god he's absolutely nailed it I didn't I didn't even quite know in my head what I was expecting to sound like what I've asked for but he's gone and created it so no it's incredible <laughs> it's, I bet that definitely helps for the creative process it's got to be done um so then you have Fool that also came out in 2018 um which mm. is interesting you saying about you know writing about uh, being crazy in 2012 is that any correlation I got the hint that it was a bit more of like a a love song as well yeah it's more like a uh, sort of crazy in, in in love and but difficult relationship at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? Well, those relationships were kind of doomed from the start, but you you didn't really see it at the time, and you're going a bit manic and uh, and yeah, it's a bit like that. <laughs> Being a fool. Yeah, Being a fool. <laughs> um, so you said you recorded in uh, Bristol. You've also got um, a gentleman, George Glue who you said uh, you befriended and he's in Bristol. Um, do you want to just talk about him a little bit? Yeah, sure. George is, I just uh, love his music, man. He's such an incredible songwriting talent. Um, he, I met him first, actually. I was supporting him in Bristol. It was just a random support slot that my promoter set me up with. He was like, you know, I'm gigging Bristol for a bit here, go and support this guy called George Glue. He's kind of just signed to this good management and uh and looks like it'll, it'll be good and i was like okay i'll, I'll go down and like, i've gone from just kind of being his mate and meeting him at this gig and kind of knowing him throughout since and to being like one of his biggest fans at the same time a oh, bit nice. like a little uh, <laughs> a bit starstruck when i meet him which is silly because you know, <laughs> like um he's he's just got something about his songwriting ability that really uh sort of stays with me where I'm like oh, you know and you're like oh, I wish I, I thought of that or I wish I was yeah, yeah. That. and um 
yeah, he's been doing well for himself as well. Like I said, I think he's he, well. He's he's from Bath. He's uh, still still living there now, and uh, he was with sort of Dermot Kennedy's uh, management for a while, and then I think Dermot Kennedy absolutely went huge, and he's playing sort of stadiums out or whatever, and they kind of didn't have time for him. So so he's he's moved on to to new management, but he's still killing it on Spotify and writing this good stuff and. Uh, I think he's got some more tunes coming out soon because this has probably been out for a year or a half or so. And uh, and yeah, it's called, called Bittersweet and I think this is the ones he's released. You're heading for a fitting horizon Miles ahead You're running like a child to the water Too close to the edge You're looking for something more it's hard to accept that I found my home, but you haven't found yours yet. You go, you go lonely, take another piece of my life. You go, you go lonely, it's all you gotta run and you left my side and
Fantastic. Yeah, no, I gave it a listen today as well after you recommended it. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. I thought it's very, um, very similar kind of um, sounds, but then quite different in a way. It's sort of like the dynamic of the song is quite similar. But then at the same time, it's you're you're completely separate artists. But I can see where the appeal would be for like kind of your your guys' connection because you you um, like the whole song in general is you're on a very similar level. I think in the way you sort of write and the the guitar work and how your your sound comes across. Mm, I can feel that too, man. And I think that's probably why I sort of have a, this sort of deep connection with the music he writes is because it's it's sort of a similar sound and uh and yeah he's been but you know he's he's sort of a great songwriter all around he's doing stuff with a guy called Keir as well do you know Keir by any chance he's Bristol as well I'm not sure so he he's a sort of singer-songwriter but kind of sort of darker kind of gothic indie and um he's just been signed up by by Lewis Capaldi's label actually wow He's killing it, and George writes on his album as well. So he he does a lot of uh, of writing around as well. So um, so yeah, really talented guy. And, uh, yeah. Well, that's sick as well because I th- I think um, I don't know from I I find it quite difficult to um, write for someone else to then see. Say if you were in a position where you thought I'm happy with how I'm doing at the moment, but then you write something and that person blows from it you've got to be a very grounded and humble person to be able to just do that and go, I'm really happy for you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think the royalties are probably help as well. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. I think you know, it's, it, but, like, I like, I'm just so rubbish to sort of writing for other people. I'm like, uh, sometimes I sort of do random little like DMB bits and I write vocals over the top of it and things like that. But I have to really like focus my attention to be able to, to kind of do it. And it, feels like slightly forced, but um okay. but some people just love it and they can just you know write for anything and then there's a guy i work with called jordan round uh who's um written on the last couple of songs of mine and the one coming up uh and he can he just does every different genre and he just knows how to write every different genre i'm like how, how do you kind of do that and, no. and that's when you realize you... songwriting is as much of a skill as playing playing an instrument isn't it Mm, you know? definitely, definitely and like because I, I, I really like like blues and soul music but I find I can't write it because I've grown up listening to indie music so that's right. what comes out whereas I really wish I could write it but yeah. just, it just come out of me yeah no it's it's one of those things I think that um, it, it makes you realise how much you're heavily influenced by um, songs you listen to when you're little I think, mm. like, in, in terms of what you then find attractive listening to when you're older. Like, I know I've kind of got into heavier stuff and then now really enjoy heavier stuff. But then also at the same time, like, my dad used to play Duran Duran in the car. Um, <laughs> and there's a, a band, what are they called? Um, I literally can't remember what they're called at the moment. I'll, it'll come to me in a minute. But they um, they literally sound so much like Duran Duran. I showed my dad and he was like, oh, this is fantastic. But I would never have enjoyed that kind of version of music yeah. off the back of loving heavy stuff if it wasn't for this like sort of influence, you know? Yeah, that's definitely a weird sort of mismatch. There's Duran Duran to the to the metal, but yeah, yeah. Duran Duran to Trivium, but 
that's the that's the beauty of music, mate. So we've got 2019, which massive year for you. Thanks, man. Big yeah. year, big year for you. Um, obviously, you got you got the Glastonbury. Yeah, that was that was cool, mate. Definitely, definitely big sort of festival year in that sense. Uh, um, and that's one you you always kind of want to be able to go to. And uh, and it didn't disappoint, to be fair. <laughs> no. So what what like um, what happens with that? Like how how do you find out? Um, is it really in advance? Is it last minute? What's the like? Just talk us through like what it's like being you going up and then having to go from finding out to then standing up on stage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So do you know that was the second year I played Glastonbury, but it was uh, probably a three or four year gap in between. Right. So first it was when I was at BIM and BIM had their own stage and that was like bloody surreal. That was wow. Because like, also at that point I'd only released C and Emily. Yeah. I as a I'd been in bands before and the bands had a lot of back catalogue, but me as a singer songwriter, I had about three songs in my life. <laughs> and they're like, great news, Sam, you're playing Glastonbury. And I'm like uh, okay. Uh, so I got ten minutes of content right now. This is the best news ever and the most worrying news I've ever heard of my life. Like, yeah. Kind of thing to kind of like catch up and build up that back catalog and uh, and that one to be fair was like um, more of an easing into it because you know it was it was surreal getting the kind of name band for it's like you're an artist and all that and and you know here's the sort of backstage campaign and. And you actually get showers instead of, you know, <laughs> the Blastonbury is the biggest luxury you could ever ask for, to yeah. be fair. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that was all great. But the stage itself was like, you know, quite, quite sort of uh, modest size. So it wasn't too intense a gig. Um, but, uh, but last year was, was quite a decent sized, uh, decent sized stage. And we were playing, we we're actually headlining the stage at, at 12 o'clock so at, and at 11 and it was right next to the pyramid stage but was it one day maybe but it wasn't the pyramid stage. Yeah. Uh, uh, we were it was 11 o'clock and we were like right we've got to go see a bit of the killers because growing up me and ollie the guys in the band were like huge killers fans yeah we're like, we're going to see kid, the killers so we're from 11 till like well, it got to about half past 11 and we were like, we should really run back to our stage now and get get set up. We're going to be on like, in like half an hour. And Ollie's like, no, we just, we've got to wait for um, all these things that I've done. Like the one that's like, I've got sober and I'm not a soldier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I was like, mate, they're definitely going to play that last. They're definitely going to play that last. And then they like, as I was saying that, like struck the chord that opened it up. And we're like, oh, nice. So, like, that was like the best buzz to like run from the song I've kind of always wanted to see live in front of like 300, with, with 300,000 people behind kind of thing. Uh, and then literally pegging it, jumping on to, to play Glastonbury to, to a decent crowd on a, on a decent wow. stage for the first time. Uh, just like, from buzz to buzz to buzz, it was it was sick, man. Yeah, that's sick. So, do uh, do you have to do like a sound check before? No, the thing with festivals is like you don't really you don't really get a sound check. Like you kind of they um, they mute it for the crowd, and you sort of play like one sort of, like half of basically like thirty seconds of a song as you sort of walking on. 
And then, because uh, it's 15 minute changeovers, so you don't really have time for a sound check. And usually the first song might sound a bit dodgy, but the sound engineers will kind of figure it out as you go. Yeah. So, so that's the same with, with any festival, really. And you just kind of crack on from there. So there wasn't too much really preparation. So we were able to just kind of peg it and make yeah, it just. I was going to say, because like, if you would listen to the killers and then run back and they're like, mate, we haven't even sound checked you yet. You're going <laughs> on in 10 minutes. Like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that would have been pretty awkward to be fair. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think even when we rocked up, they're a bit like, "Come on now, what's, yeah. what's going on?" Yeah. No, it's <laughs> incredible. And then because you you had a you did a big tour again, didn't you? Two thousand nineteen. Yeah, that was uh, sort of such a good tour, man. Like um, it's the first time I'd ever really done a tour that wasn't like three or four dates around the UK. It was twelve. Or, 15 dates around the UK and uh, and Europe and and it was just nice to be able to go gig out in Europe and actually see fans rock up to a show and you just be like this is wow weird you know like yeah. there's actually people who are like oh my god it's it's good to be here and stuff like that and, you know yeah I can't believe I'm in like Copenhagen and it's still the same as it was in Bristol. I kind of yeah. know people and stuff like that. So that that was a really surreal, but just the best thing I've ever done, to be honest. Wow. What would be your favourite favorite, um, venue you played on that tour? Um, that's a good question, actually. Uh, I think the best crowd was in, in Zurich, in Switzerland, really. Because you don't really think of that at the Swiss, to be, like, wild. No, <laughs> and, uh, no. Like a, a fun time, but they were just loving it, man, and, and singing loud, and um, we had a good party after as well. So, so I think I'd, I'd go with Zurich. Yeah, nice. Okay, and then, but during tour, did you have any sort of low moments? Were there any bits where you were like, okay, this is sick? You know, I'm going all over the place, but are you getting tired? Are you missing home? Um. Nah, to be honest, I was, I was on a proper buzz the whole time, to be honest. It was my first time touring. I'm sure if, like, I was privileged enough to be, like, you know, uh, a huge artist where they're kind of on tour for three quarters of their, their life, then it might kind of have a strain. But uh, it, essentially, mate, I, I, I'm, I'm not there yet. So no. I was just trying to soak it in and enjoy it all. Really. Enjoy every minute of it sort of thing. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think it would maybe actually thinking about it, it would probably be a little bit spoiled if you're like all of a sudden, you know, you're 12, 12, uh, 12 gigs in and then you're just like, oh, I'm just tired now. Like, I just just want to go home in a bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, 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 that's a big thing as well. It's just like, you know, you got to kind of know your own sort of privilege sometimes, which I did sometimes find hard when I was starting out. I was like, oh, sometimes I'd question like, oh, my... Is what I'm doing really like you know like kind of a bit bit stoned and like is what I'm doing really like uh, helping the world or whatever and then I was just like well you know just enjoy it I mean yeah. people need music and you, you're kind of lucky to be doing it so yeah so after that I kind of like like moving away from trying to feel sorry for myself at all <laughs> yeah I guess that comes from just literally like growing up a bit i mean regardless of um what you're doing like your perspective on it changes and kind of matures doesn't it so 
instead of thinking, well, I'm in this position, I'm going to write a song that changes the world. I mean, some people have done that, you know, at a very young age, but I think that, like you said, like just doing it to make you happy and if it makes other people happy, that's kind of the bonus really, isn't it? Yeah, and it goes, it goes back to like the, the kick in where like that's why I'm happiest because I'm just, I can see that I'm entertaining people at the same time and like I say, people are happy, they're happy, I'm, I'm pretty happy about it too. <laughs> yeah, no, that's sick. So then 2019 goes, 2020 we get Northern Slang this time, which I really liked especially at the start was something a bit different. You had like this atmospheric, I don't know if it was like a synth or something in the background that was kind of a bit different, kind of set the tone a little bit. Um, and it was a lot more intimately yeah. sounding. Um, I was going to ask, like, was it hard to write that sort of, because I felt like it wasn't, um, maybe it wasn't like completely away from your style, but I felt like it was kind of a new sort of thing you were fiddling with, with that song. <laughs> I think with that song, you know how we were saying earlier, like, I just keep going into these big crescendos and it mm. builds and it builds. That was one of the songs where I was kind of really focusing on, like, let's just see what we can do with, with like, four chords and and um, and just toning it down a bit. Mm. And and it was nice to be able to use, like, like you said, there's a little bit of synth that comes in and just... Um, I was really influenced by a guy called Matt Corby on that, and he's this Australian singer-songwriter um, uh, who's, who's, again, he's a bit like Jeff Buckley, to be honest, just huge voice range, and he's got this song called Monday where he does this sort of four-part harmony to open up the song. And I sort of took that idea and obviously just used different melodies and different lyrics to to kind of build this song. So it was a really strong influence from, from Matt Corby Monday there. Yeah. But uh, but then, yeah, the synth just kind of came in naturally um, in the production process and really just trying to tone tone the music down and write something a bit different was, was where that all sort of stemmed from. Yeah. Was that difficult to do? Because I feel like you're kind of going against your natural grain with that one. Do you know what? It wasn't actually. It was... It felt nice to do, and it felt uh, it felt like almost I was in, and I, I don't know if it sort of correlates with the fact that I was sort of making peace of myself at that moment in my life. I could kind of write more peaceful songs, okay, uh, and less kind of hectic sort of goings on. And I was sort of I'm in a happy relationship. Who's the per- who's the song is about? You yeah. know. Hey, she loves the song, but she doesn't like the name of it because it's called Northern Slang. She's a northerner, and she thinks it's like too close to Northern Slang. <laughs> 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 so, so oh, that's no. why. That's why I was like, that's all right, I'll change the name to this time. And then I was really attached to Northern Slang, so now it's called Northern Slang slash, slash this time. This time. <laughs> yeah, so. Brilliant, I love that. So some people are probably thinking, oh, you know, he didn't know how to how to exactly, like, summarise the song in a word. It's like, no, because it sounds like Northern Slag, so I had to put this on. Just that the misses stuff, so, yeah. <laughs> but no, I think it's really interesting, like, what... Um, with trying to go down a bit of a different avenue. Do you think that's come from um, like a maturity of, you know, rather than going, right, I'm going to stick to my guns and just roll with it. You're sort of like, I'm going to challenge myself or was it literally just, no, let's write something a bit different. 
I did, like I said, I didn't think I was doing it as, as such a challenge as such. I think um, I think it just came naturally, to be honest, mate. And like, uh, and um, you just kind of go with the flow sometimes. And 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 I like the song when I wrote it. And I was like, Do you know what? It doesn't really need any more. So let's let's uh, let's leave it. Leave it at that. It was and and see how it did. And I was quite happy with the uh, the response to it as well. So. So yeah. it's nice. No, that's great. Dimple in your northern slang See, oh, I know this time Wanna feel your heart up against mine Feel the rhythm at the beat sink in time Oh, I know for sure Won't let you know more You know me Do you like the feeling that I'm giving to you? I do me, yeah you just do you And all will know for a while So wanna feel our hearts falling in line Feel the rhythm of the beat sinking time Oh, I know for sure won't let you know more let you know me let you know more Obviously, what really we've got to talk about now at the end is um, whilst we're recording this, it was the 25th of August, but you've got this coming out um, on the 4th of September, you said, wasn't it? 4th of September. Yeah, it's getting to sneaky bum time, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting a bit close now. So this is when, um, what uh, date did Northern Slang this time come out? Yeah, that was 
January it came out, actually. It was like, oh, wow. I remember putting like a, a status up, like, here we go, it's 2020, let's go. Like, going to be, you know, uh, starting off with a bang and stuff like that. And then like two months later, Corona hit. And mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow, it's like fucked. And, and um, it kind of slowed down my plans because this was going to come out in June, I think. And it had, uh, I was just in this stage of, of putting uh, another sort of UK tour together, just a small one, like four or five gigs, because it's only a sort of single coming out uh, around it. And then got to like June, and I was like, well, obviously I can't play these gigs, so what should I do with the song? And then I was like, well, what I'll do is I'll postpone it. And as it's gotten longer and longer that nobody can do anything because of COVID, I was like, do you know what? The world needs music, and mm. I'll just put it out there and, and not do the gigs. So... So uh, it's taken a while to get there, but we're, yeah, maybe four months late. But I was going to do sort of a lot more this year, but I guess it'd be 2021 now. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be the same for everyone, really. But it's uh, it must be really difficult, um, sort of, once you have this song and you're sort of planning the hype around it, because that's effectively, you know, the tour and stuff like that. That's all hyping up, you know, new stuff coming out. Um, so then to say, right, I'm going to put, you know, this song out without the normal routine of go- doing gigs and this, that, and the other. Um, I don't know. Is, is it a tough pill to swallow in terms of I don't get to enjoy um, the beauty of releasing that song? Or are you just like, no, nah, okay, the world needs this song at the moment. Like, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'd say it's, it's not so much a tough pill to swallow because I don't get to tour the song. But it's, it's it's a shame that not just for me but for musicians at the moment that we can't play live. Yeah, and more so than musicians than than also the music venues at the moment because they're just having such a tough time. And I think it's it's actually less hard on the artists at the moment because you know there's there's schemes in place that can sort of help us out. But you know, not even just like pubs, but pubs and clubs and uh, music venues are kind of closing just daily yeah and, and that's the 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 real shame of it all whereas i kind of like i'm in a position where i'm, I'm doing okay and i can put this 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 song out and still enjoy that it's definitely gonna be a different way of doing it but yeah i felt like it was just like i've i've got it now and also i've written so much over lockdown that i want to release in 2021 that mm-hmm. This is a song I actually had before lockdown, and uh, just think, right, let's get this out there, let's do this, and then there can be an EP in twenty twenty one, something like that, you know. Yeah. So I was going to say, like, how has lockdown affected you in terms of songwriting? Because I know a lot of people have used <laughs> lockdown to be very productive, and others have kind of used it as right. I'm going to kind of detach from everything, chill out for a bit. But by the sounds of it, you know, you've been getting your head stuck in the books, like. Yeah, I've been, it's been good for writing for me personally. I've spoken to a lot of guys and I felt the same at the start where a lot of my musical friends have just been like, it's been cool that I've had all this time to songwrite and then I find that I can't do it because you're stuck in the same four walls and mm. there's nothing inspiring you to write, which is like, you know, obviously a huge thing about it. And um, And I felt the same for like the first probably two months of lockdown and then gradually we were sort of able to leave the house and I think all those sort of pent up emotions and and things like that kind of caught up with me and I was in 
in a position where I was able to sort of start writing again and pretty much there with an EP for next year, um, combined with a couple of songs that I already had kind of thing. So, yeah, so well. it's been it's been it's been good for me for lockdown and, and also like as a musician sometimes you do feel the pressure of like what, what am i doing next what am i doing mm-hmm. next people need this people need this. and um it's something i've always felt going through this because uh, i've it's sort of taken my time about it all really um and i almost enjoyed the little bit of kind of like six months of like right pressures off if i don't want yeah. if i don't have to if I don't release anything, I don't release anything. If I don't play live, nobody's going to go, well, why is he not doing anything? Yeah. <laughs> because the whole world's sort of stopped at the moment. No, it's, it's insane. But I think it is going to be um, the most interesting thing, which I've been saying kind of since um, I started up the podcast again, sort of, I think, a couple of, well, maybe a month and a half ago, because I kind of did the same thing. Like lockdown happened. And I thought, well, um, I don't really want to do the podcast anymore because I feel like a lot of people listen to podcasts when they're going to work or like they've got things to do, whereas now no one has anything to do. So I, I feel like I'm, you know, releasing it to an empty audience. But then after a while, I was like, well, actually, maybe people need to talk about certain things and listen to certain things and what have you. Um, and one of the things I've been saying is that I feel like the biggest impact isn't going to be the six months we've just had and however long we have, but then actually coming out of it you know, kind of how, how our world's going to change and, you know, specifically to the music world, uh, for someone like yourself, you know, how easy is it going to be to just go, right, we're going to, let's book a, a tour through the UK and Europe. Let's, you know, book this many venues, you know? I think it's, I think it's going to be difficult for a long time, to be honest. And, and that's the, the real worry is whether sort of, uh, a lot of the venues that we're used to doing it in are still going to be there, whether some of the musicians are, are going to sort of make it through and things like that. And uh, it, it's a slightly worrying time for music, which is why there's so many campaigns out there at the moment, like hashtag let the music play. Um, there's another one as well for specifically for venues, um, just saying to let the government sort of do social distance gigs inside rather than just like you have to have a sort of 20 acre outdoor space in order to do it. Yeah. And, uh, but it's difficult, isn't it? Because obviously maybe that, that doesn't make sense sort of medically, but, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to say where it's, where it's going to go for us. I'm just kind of thankful to, to be in a position where I actually um, have a, a, a company that I run with a guy called Ollie as well, where we've sort of, had enough money off the government to, to, to steer through from previous tax years. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, which is in my sort of digital marketing stuff. So I'm kind of um, in a position where, where I'm all right. It's just where, where other people will be and what the position will be like when we come back as well. Yeah, incredible. But um, I mean, to lighten things up a little bit from, from the dreariness of COVID. So we've got... The single, like I said, we're, we're doing the episode now on the 25th. This will be out on the 4th of September, and then the episode will be out the following Monday. Um, it's the single Best Friend, um, which I had the privilege of listening to um, on the bus on the way home from work today, a little bit earlier. Um, thoroughly enjoyed the song. Um, I thought that, again, this classic Sam Brockington ending with a crescendo, but I noticed there was an insane... Uh, vocal performance from yourself at the end um, to the point where when I heard it I was listening and I was like 
hang on, is he doing a guitar solo? Because I didn't think I'd heard you do a guitar solo before. And then I was like, shit, that's his voice. Because I don't know if it was the the vibrato on it or like the, the range you were hitting. It was just, I feel like that's kind of been for me listening through um, your discography. Um, like that's the most impressed I've been with, with your kind of like your, your vocal capabilities. Wow. Oh, well, so far. Cause uh, I mean, apart from people who are sort of close to me and uh, working on the inside of the music with me, like you're one of the first people to hear it. So it's nice to, to hear an outside perspective of, of that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a bit different to me to go quite so high in falsetto with that, with the bit that you, I guess you're sort of referring to with what sounds like it could be a guitar. And um, classically, like, I've kind of gone back to do the crescendo and, and go mad with it at the end. But, um, I, but I think, I feel like it, it, it sounds just more refined and not that the, you know, previous songs sound less refined. It just sounds like, it sounds completely and utterly intentional. It's not like, oh, where could this song go? Oh, let's finish it off like this. It sounds like, right, I want it to sound like this at the end, you know? Yeah. And that, you know, it was quite a raw and emotional song. It's about a breakdown of relationship, like, not a relationship, but of someone you are best friends with. So uh, there, there was a lot of raw emotion that kind of came out with that. Yeah. There sort of personal references as well. There's bits talking about aliens and stuff like that that you probably will get, but like, <laughs> it's the, the general theme of the song, I feel, is like something that somebody, uh, that most people can really relate to, which is where it's it's kind of, uh, uh, it's one of those relationships where you're best friends, but it's just kind of boy-girl best friend. And one person sort of wants more than just a best friendship, if you know yeah. what I mean. okay usually never kind of work its way backwards into just uh, a friendship. It kind no. of just keeps going till it explodes. And, yeah, it's you know, kind of a make or break thing, isn't it? Yeah, so so that's that sort of song is about. It is, is quite raw and that kind of comes through, I guess, through, through the end as well. And yeah, I was just having, having fun with my locals, I think. Uh, I remember we just, uh, I had the first, like, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and was just jamming with the guys in Pirate Studios in Bristol. And we're like, right, well, I've got these chords for the ending, but I don't know what I'm going to sing. And I literally just started sort of riffing and, and <laughs> almost like screaming. Yeah. Uh, and the guys kind of looked at me afterwards like, you got to do that again. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if I can. I don't know what I did. <laughs> but, but yeah, we, we, we sort of recreated it in the studio as well. And, and there's the song. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's sick as well, because like you said, I think the whole theme throughout your sort of writing process is like organic and natural and uh, stuff like that. And like you said, this is a very raw song. And, you know, when you're thinking, oh, what, what, what could go here? You know, it's obviously coming from a very natural and sort of organic place that, you know, this subject matter in this song in particular is making you think, that's what I want to do, you know? So I think then that, that comes through in the song. The lyric uh, that stood out for me when listening to it today was, you take my mind off my head. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool play on words at first. And then like thinking it, the more and more I thought about it, the more I was like, I really, really like that. You know? Cheers, mate. Um, yeah. It, I, you always say, you know, I'll, I'll take my mind off it, take my mind off it. But taking your mind off your head like that interesting playing words obviously mind off your head but then like i don't know stop thinking about 
these neg- this negative stuff and like the ability for someone to be able to do that for you is always going to be someone that's quite special. Yeah, it is. You know, and, and everybody's got that person in their life where like you can just kind of forget about you know any sort of internal struggles you're having at that time and just be yourself and, and relax and uh, that's lovely. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I, I, I I'm quite pleased with that lyric too. To be fair, mate, when it came out, I was like, oh, I think I'm onto something there. That's, that's yeah. decent. And that's one of those lyrics where. And like we were saying, you know, you hear the likes of Jeff Buckley and other fantastic songwriters, and you think, shit, I wish I thought of that. Because it sounds like something like, when you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, that makes so much so much sense. Like, how didn't I think of that? But it is one of those things, like, that. I've, I reckon that's one of your lines. That's one of your, oh, I wish I thought of that line. Cheers, mate, cheers. Yeah. Well, um, I appreciate that. And, uh, and yeah, I, I hope it's sort of... Uh, Goes goes down well in the world when I get out there. It's going to be just so nice to to get some more music out out and uh, and see people's reactions as yeah, well. Yeah, a bit of interaction because you said it's um, premiering on um, introduction introduc- introducing BBC BBC introducing sorry BBC introducing which is nice to get their support again. They've sort of been there from the start and always pushing me and gotten me some incredible gigs in the past as well like six music festival and stuff so their sport's always been like just huge so to have them premiere and it's great and you know that's kind of just like the, the first rung on the ladder you can sort of push through to to national radio from there so so fingers crossed it, it um it sort of appeals to people and and captures people's imagination yeah massively and do you get any input for Obviously, I like to think that they they'd give their honest opinion on what they think of the song. But um, are they going to sort of fill listeners in on? Oh, you know, this is Sam Rockson. He's got hopefully an EP coming out in twenty twenty one. Are they going to do a bit of like savvy marketing for you or anything, or do you just basically say, "Here's the song," and they just run with it and do what they do? Uh, I've been at both, really, mate. Oh, you know, we'll, we'll get the song uploaded and uh, I it's actually changed presenter now um so be interesting to see because it's the first time with a new presenter that um they'll be playing my song so be interesting to see what he says because the relationship isn't quite as sort of um built up as it was with the with the two previous presenters but they were sounds like you know they'd like to sort of, we would kind of they'd keep track anyway of what i was up to and and had a nice way with words one of them would always say like the man with the golden voice. <laughs> I always found that quite funny because I found he'd, he'd end up like introducing every song like that. And I was like, oh, I think there's a thing going on <laughs> But uh, okay if it's going. So yeah. So, yeah. But, um, they, they were sound and obviously they've sort of just got got contacts going out sort of through the ranks of the BBC and, and a lot of festivals. And and they took me sort of backstage at, um, at Glastonbury as well to record a live performance. So so the things that uh, like all the guys who were previously worked with Sam Bonham and Richard Pitt, just just big respect for them. They they they've been huge to kind of help in my career and and get me into to different places. So so it's been yeah. sound. No, it's lovely to hear like the amount of impact someone can make purely on just one person by like one for them. That's like quite easy to do. You know, they can just sort of say, oh yeah, we'll do this. But like then when you see the actual impact that has, you know, on a person. It, no, it's, it's really nice to hear. So all the best of luck for that one, mate. It'll be interesting to, I'll, 
um, make sure I remember to tune in um, on the 4th. They'll be premiering it on the 5th, so that'll be its first radio play. But yeah, it will go go out on Spotify on the 4th and stuff. So um, anybody who's listening, do do go and check it out on, on Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube, wherever you go for your music. I'd uh, always appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. And then do you have um, any estimation for this um, EP 2021? Do you have a name for it? Do you know how many songs you know when you're thinking of releasing uh, that all top secret 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 <laughs> i could spill some spill some secrets for you give you a bit of an exclusive <laughs> um so i think i might call it false star because it was meant to come out earlier there's a song called false star that kind of works with the whole covid thing okay where, i like that you know it was meant to you know like with the guy is going out the blocks in the, the olympics and when he's running and he runs too early and yeah, yeah. all again like it's a bit like uh with this covid i was meant to do it so it'll probably be releasing the ep around now but uh actually no scrap that we're gonna start again and do it in 2021 so uh kind of feel like that that worked quite well for for the um ep name and that'll probably be the title track of it as well um we've got some pretty decent demos down of of three of the songs and there'll be two more to add to that need to get in the studio with it to do the final versions but um is that getting harder with covid as well getting in the studio yeah i mean it's uh it's definitely harder but um it's kind of like i want if i can have more time to to perfect it that'd be great because i really intend on not releasing it until i can play live and i just don't know when that'll be so so i'm 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 probably looking at 2021 to record and then release, I mean, mid-2020. It's hard to say because of, yeah. I can't gig around it. It would just be a shame, really. Oh, massively, massively. And I mean, in all fairness, you know, the whole with the beach theme as well, especially in your earlier work, it's definitely um, kind of summery vibes for um, for your music. And I remember when, um, when we got Adam on the podcast and he was... Um, uh, talking about your music i think manta ray was the song he mentioned he said that reminds him of literally like driving to the beach with his mates in the car so i think like a mid mid 2020 uh 2021 release would would be pretty fitting for that one yeah yeah i think uh and it is quite an upbeat ep to be fair the ones i've written so far they they do have that summer vibe and more like and that was kind of conscious as well as like, right, i've done some some pretty heartfelt stuff the last sort of Three singles for Northern Slang and uh, and uh, this one coming up. So so uh, so try and get get a bit happier with it as well. Yeah, so. definitely. Uh, it sounds good. I'm very much looking forward to it. So I want to ask you one more question uh, before we wrap it up. Obviously, you write songs from the heart, and it sounds like you often sing from the heart as well. Is there a song? Um, not necessarily one that you've written, but a song in general uh, that makes you cry. Not necessarily every time, um, yeah. but, you know, maybe even if there's not necessarily one that uh, makes you cry, maybe one that gets sort of like you're tingling. I know I've got a couple of songs that they say the hairs stamp on, up on the back of your neck, but I never think of it like that. I feel like it's like pins and needles in the back of your head. Hmm. I think it's nostalgic songs that, that sort of bring me close to you know, just thinking about your youth and uh, 
and just quite how sort of long, long ago that was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Stand Up by Jeffro Tull, which is an old sort of 60s, uh, 60s kind of rock band where the lead singer played the flute and stood on one leg. They're a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful songs though, yeah right. ironic that it's called stand-up <laughs> and uh, yeah, so true um, and um that was the first gig my ever dad my dad ever took me to was to go and see them so every time i hear that song definitely just, like hairs on the back of my neck and just like hearing the flute solo yeah yeah wow i forgot all about this solo and i know it's sort of note for note and it's always just like lovely to hear that. Yeah. Uh, um, probably lo- "Lovey You Should Have Come Over" by Jeff Buckley. I know I'm just all, all about Jeff on this podcast. Yeah, is, no, it's good. It's good. I do like other artists. Just a disclaimer there, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's one that sort of immediately came to mind as well. Yeah, no, fantastic. It's nice. It you know sometimes it's just a song that purely the power of the performance unlocks that. Also, sometimes it's definitely with ones that kind of carry memories that maybe I feel like sometimes music unlocks a part of a memory that you can't naturally just think of on your head. Like you can still remember going to your first gig with your dad, but the music will actually put you in the room, whereas like thinking about it is, you know, just not the same. Yeah, uh, I totally agree, mate. That's, that's pretty much spot on. Yeah. Well, Sam, thank you very much first interview for the podcast i hope it hasn't been too all over the place oh i, I hope i haven't disappointed me <laughs> first first interview so uh yeah listeners like it they're not like right done with, the, done with that max guy yeah but, literally uh, but i know earlier you were saying you know should i be doing so I, you had a a month or so where you were like, oh, should I be doing the podcast? I don't know if it's uh, the same for everybody else, but I've been listening to more podcasts than ever before during lockdown. So so please don't stop, mate. Keep, no, keep... Thank you very much. No, I appreciate that. I think um, definitely in this sort of time, especially now people are starting to kind of venture out a little bit more. It's actually kind of settling. Like I know Adam's actually started his podcast, Purposeful, <laughs> the Purposeful Pursuit podcast. That's it. I was listening to that going into work um and i've i've normally whenever i've traveled anywhere like on the bus on the train or whatever i've always wanted to listen to music and i've almost been excited for journeys because i've been able to like i can just sit and listen to music for an hour but i actually preferred listening to the podcast i found it kind of like i don't know you don't completely lose yourself in what's going on but at the same time you kind of just it's, it's kind of settling in a way um, but no, I appreciate I appreciate you um, mentioning about you know keeping the podcast going. I think um, everyone needs a bit of inspiration at the moment to sort of keep going at what they're going at because we've all been doing it for the last six months. It's you know it gets to the point where it's quite difficult. But hopefully, you know we're all all seeing the other side of it now. Yeah, man, we we all need you more than ever. So so keep on with it. <laughs> I'll try. I'll definitely try. But no, thank you very much for coming on, Sam. Um, I have the privilege, like I said, of listening to this just before um, its release, but we're going to finish off the podcast with um, Sam Brockington's new single that you can catch on iTunes and Spotify. This is Best Friend. Fear the fall, but not the grace We want the heart, but not the ache And free the feeling fading 
all this talk would take and you just be there waiting I let the feeling take control empty but not alone take my mind off my head you take my mind off my head I want tell cause I've always said I'll be your best friend like you've been for me so selflessly But I don't take We want the words but not the weight And free feeling fading All this talk we're taking You just be there waiting Let the feeling take control oh, Empty Take my mind 